day on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. How many times has God done something that only He can do? And not only has He done it, He did it in such a way so that it is unmistakable, indisputable, irrefutable. And yet, we, like them then, do the same thing now, and we say, we did it. Not God. We take the credit for it. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Isaiah. Do you ever take credit for something that God has done? No? Look at everything around you, your job, family, home, where you live. Is that because of you or because of God? Pastor J.D. will challenge us to shift our perspective today and challenge us to open our eyes to everything that God has done, is doing, and will do. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Isaiah chapter 48 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. We are going to, Lord willing, uh, finish chapter 48. We finished chapter 47 last week, so if you're not already there, we'll invite you to turn there. And uh, let's begin with a word of prayer. If you would, please join with me. We'll ask God to bless our Bible study tonight. Really looking forward to what God has for us. Father in heaven, thank you so, so, so much for this time, this place, your word. We really look forward to it, Lord, (laughs) especially nowadays with everything that's going on. This place, this time, it's a respite, it's a solace, it's a sanctuary, really, for us. It's that time that we can just come together and put all of the stresses of our lives to the side and Just focus our attention on you as you quiet our hearts so that we can hear you speak in that still, small voice. And Lord, I know that tonight is no exception, especially for those who are really struggling, of which I know there are so many. Just so much is happening, and it's getting very intense, and the heat is really getting turned up, and Lord, it's just as only you can. You have us in a place here in your word that speaks to, I mean, precisely where we're at in our lives today. And only you can do that. And that's because your word is alive. It's living. It's active. It's sharp, sharper than any two-edged sword. And So Lord, we're just so thankful to you for your word and that which you have for us. So Lord, speak. We want to give you our undivided attention as you do. We want to have ears to hear. So Lord, speak. Your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I know I say this every week, but really looking forward to this chapter, as with every chapter I know, but I mean, it's just so apropos to where we're at. Because in the chapter 
before us tonight. God, through the prophet Isaiah, He's going to turn a corner of sorts from this prophecy of judgment on Babylon to His plan for and His mercy on His people, and specifically as it relates to using Babylon to refine and purify them in the furnace of affliction. He's going to allow Babylon to be the instrument in his hands, perhaps better said the furnace in his hands, to refine and purify his people. This is really the takeaway from the chapter. And it really speaks to how it is and why it is that oftentimes God will deem it necessary to allow the fiery trials in our lives, the furnace of affliction. And as we're about to see, God in His grace, His mercy, and His love, we'll see this towards the end of the chapter, uses this furnace of affliction, those times of trials and testings, because ultimately it's for our good and perhaps more importantly for His glory, for His namesake. In fact, He's going to say as much as again we're about to see. So you ready? Let's jump in. Verse 1. Hear this, O house of Jacob, who are called by the name of Israel, and have come forth from the wellsprings of Judah, who, listen very carefully, swear by the name of the Lord, and make mention of the God of Israel, but not in truth or in righteousness. For, verse 2, they call themselves after the holy city and lean on the God of Israel, the Lord of hosts is his name. Wow, what a, what a way to start the chapter. You know what God is saying through the prophet Isaiah here? He's basically, and it's very convicting actually, he's saying, you profess to know me, you profess the name of the Lord, but your walk doesn't match your talk. And and notice, this is very interesting, right out of the shoot, and we're going to see it again a second time, but he starts off, listen, listen up, O house of Jacob, who are called by the name of, not Jacob, Israel. Now why would God inspire the prophet Isaiah to pen these words this way. Here's a thought. You are Jacob, heel snatcher, uh, con man, conniving con man. That's what Yahob Jacob means, because the name is the nature. But you don't identify by the name of Jacob. You're called by my name, the name of Israel which means almost the polar opposite, 
It means governed or ruled by God. In other words, you claim the name of the Lord, but there's a hypocrisy, a duplicity, because you're known by my name, you profess my name, but your walk does not match your talk. And by the way, this is going to be the reason for the very affliction that God allows on His people at the hands of Babylon. Verse 3, I have declared from the former things, from the beginning, they went forth from my mouth, and I caused them to hear it. Suddenly, I did them. And they came to pass, because, verse 4, I knew that you were obstinate, and your neck was an iron sinew, and your brow bronze. That's pretty hardened. Even from the beginning, verse 5, I have declared it to you before it came to pass. I proclaimed it to you, lest you should say, my idol has done them, and my carved image, and my molded image have commanded them. Oh, really? Oh, wow, that is, you talk about brazen, and bold, and brash, and arrogant, and obstinate. What a smack in the face of God. You're giving your carved images and your idols credit for that which God did? Big mistake. And this is one of those places where we better be careful in our own lives, because if you're anything like me, and I suspect that you are, we're very quick to come down hard on the Israelites. How, how could they do that? God did that, and they have the audacity to say, no, it was the idols, our idols, our gods, our graven images. They're the ones that did it. Oh, really? It's like, this is even more convicting. It's like, despite God providing indisputable evidence prophesying the end from the beginning. And notice how he says it. He says, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen before it happens, and then I'm going to make it happen. But you're so obstinate. You will look me in the face, so to speak, and have the audacity to say, no, you didn't do that. My idol has done that. My carved image has done that. Now, lest we again think more highly of ourselves than we ought and fancy ourselves being more godly as to never do that, let's think about that for a moment. How many times has God done something that only He can do? And not only has He done it, He did it in such a way so that it is unmistakable, indisputable, irrefutable. 
And yet we like them then do the same thing now. And we say, we did it, not God. We take the credit for it. Well, God's going to have something to say about that as we're about to see. You have heard, verse 6, see all this and you will not declare it. I have made you hear new things from this time, even hidden things, and you did not know them. They are created now, verse 7, and not from the beginning. And before this day, you have not heard them, lest you should say, of course I knew them. Oh my goodness, this just gets worse. You know what, you know what he's saying? It's like, I do this because I'm God, and I, and I told you I was going to do it before I did it, so when I did it, you would know that it was me that did it. And what's your response? Oh, you fall down on your face and just praise God and thank you, God. And wow, what a, oh, glory to God. And no, you say, no, I knew, I knew it. I knew it. It's, I hope nobody comes to mind when I say this, but isn't that what the know-it-all does? Who wants to be around a know-it-all? They know everything. You can't tell them anything. I know. I knew that. I know. <laughs> yeah, apparently I've got an issue with this, but you get the point, right? That's what they're doing. Here's God. I mean, he, he declares it. He does it. And they're like, yeah, I, I, knew, I knew. I knew. I knew that. I better stop. I'm going to need to repent. Verse 8. Surely you did not hear. Surely you did not know. Surely from long ago your ear was not open. For I knew that you would deal very treacherously and were called a transgressor from the womb. Boom. <laughs> That's a, I think they call that a mic drop. It's like God saying, I, I knew that would be your response. I knew that, and I'll tell you why I knew that, because <laughs> you were born that way. We were all born sinners from the womb. And it's again almost like God is saying, you know, I know what you're going to do, but I'm going to do it anyway. And the way I'm going to do it, I'm not just going to do it. It's not that I'm going to do it. It's the way I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it in such a way that there's no way that you could ever say, yeah, I know. No, you didn't. Who do you think you are? Are you placing yourself on a level playing field with God Almighty? That is the height of arrogance. Verse 9. Now this is where it gets very interesting. For my namesake, I will defer my anger. Translate it. I'm not doing this for you. I'm going to back off, I'm going to hold off, I'm going to defer my anger, 
Um, but I'm not going to do that for you. I'm doing it for my name's sake. And for my praise, I will restrain it from you so that, get this, I do not cut you off. Oh, wow. You know, you know what God's saying here through the prophet Isaiah, right? He's saying, if I didn't defer my anger, and if I didn't restrain it, I would just end it. I would end you. I would cut you off. I would just kill you. That's the anger of God. Not the anger of man, the anger of God. Now, what's important here, before we move on to verse 11, he's going to say it again. He's doing it for his own namesake. Because, see, God's name is on the line. And if the name is the nature, and it is, then this is what God is saying. It is my character that is at stake here. So if I just wipe you out and take you out and cut you off, then that's on me. That's going to reflect on me. So it's for that reason I'm not going to do it. So you can take a deep breath now. (laughs) Uh, And don't pat yourself on the back, because that's the only reason I'm doing it. And he says it again, verse 11, for my own sake. And he says it twice, for my own sake I will do it. For how should, listen, my name be profaned, and I will not give my glory to another. Okay. Hang in there with me. There's a couple things here that I think we would do well to take note of. The word profane, I think, is largely misunderstood. To profane something means to make it common. So you've taken my name and you've profaned it. You know, we, it does come from the word profane, profanity. But what God is saying here is, you're going to take my name and drag it through the mud, and in so doing, you're going to profane it. And I'm not going to let that happen. Because it's my name that is at stake. It's for my own sake, my name's sake, and no one is going to get the glory. Now this is going to be very important as we're going to see as we move forward. But this is the reason why God will allow those trials the furnace of affliction. It's always for His glory, first and foremost. It's for our good, yes, but it is always, ultimately, for God's glory. It's for the glory of God, because no flesh is going to glory in His presence. In the end, God will receive all of the glory. Now, There's another part to this that I think I want to try to tackle now, and it's kind of interesting because we're going to, Lord willing, be talking about this on Sunday in the prophecy update as it relates to those fiery trials and, and how God desires to refine us in that furnace of affliction. That's verse 10. By the way, did I miss verse 10? I did. 
Oh, that's the whole thing of the whole chapter. Wow, that's what happens when you don't have AC. Verse 10, I'm so sorry, please forgive me. Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tested you in the furnace of affliction, for my own sake. For my own sake, that's where he says it twice. Okay, now this is the why, and I know this might sound cliche, but the furnace of affliction, those fiery trials, will either make us better or bitter. Again, I know that's cliche. It's like, as one said at the sun's heat can either harden or soften. It depends upon which that heat comes upon. And so you're going through this very difficult time, and it has the potential to either soften your heart or harden your heart. And it does seem, and it would appear, that it was the case for the Israelites, because he's lamenting, for lack of a better word, in verse 10, that I I tried to refine you, but it was not as silver, because the silversmith will use the furnace to refine the silver. I tried refining you in this furnace, but it's almost like I was unsuccessful, because that fiery furnace that was meant to refine you as silver did not make you better. It seems to have made you bitter. It has not made you softer, it has seemed to make you harder. The same fire can either purify or consume. And I think so too, is this true in our lives when it comes to those trials? We misunderstand, maybe better said, we misinterpret the love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, Even the chastising of God, as we talked about last week, and we'll see again when we're in Hebrews, but we misinterpret it, we misunderstand it, and when we do that, then we go to the other end, and we become hardened in our hearts, because instead of saying, Lord, what do you want me to learn from this furnace of affliction, Our question rather is instead, why are you putting me in the furnace of affliction? That's the wrong question. You cannot give a right answer to a wrong question. The question isn't, why are you allowing this? It's God, what are you doing in this? What do you want me to see in this? Obviously, you've got me in this furnace of affliction for a reason. You're trying to soften me. You're trying to better me. You're trying to mold me and make me and fashion me and into the image of Jesus Christ. That's the purpose. It's the refining, purifying process, like with the gold, as Peter refers to. The goldsmith will subject that gold to intense heat, that furnace. And then all of the impurities in that gold will rise to the surface. And then the goldsmith scrapes off the dross. And he knows he's got pure gold. Same for silver. When he can see his image reflected in the gold. 
We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. The book of Isaiah is an interesting one, as the prophet Isaiah spoke things that God wanted the people of Israel to hear, but they just wouldn't listen. Little did they know that much of what Isaiah spoke had bigger significance than they could have imagined. From beginning to end, the book of Isaiah touches on Jesus Christ coming later on. It refers to the announcement of his coming, his birth, his good news of salvation, his death, and his return to claim his own. Wow, what an incredible insight into the future. Sometimes things are plain right before our eyes, and we just aren't willing to see it for what it is. Although the people were ignorant in that present time, God used Isaiah to speak to them anyway and to proclaim the good news that was to come. Do you know of this good news? If not, we'd like you to check out calvarychapelkaneohe.com and head over to the resources page. There you'll find the ABCs of salvation, which goes into a step-by-step understanding of the good news of Jesus. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you're always welcome to join us on Sundays or Thursdays at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. We meet for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find service times, directions, and more at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Until we meet again, we encourage you to dive deep into God's Word and to look for more things God wants to teach you in this book of Isaiah. Looking forward to next time here on In Spirit and Truth.